All right. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. As always, we are officially sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, and also Learn Pro Poker and website AMP. In this chats edition of the podcast, we're going to hang out with Lynn Gilmartin. Uh, she's an Australian actress and TV host, and you guys know her from the WPT. Uh, but first, let's introduce the panel. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland. I'm at Rec Poker Steve in our Poker Stars home game. And I learned this weekend that when you when you are running a poker tour, it's not a good idea to surprise your players on day two when they are in the money that most of them will earn, what they earn will be paid out in silver bars and coins. It's a good idea to not do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Chris Jones. I'm five by five on poker stars and Twitter. Um, and I was helping run a writing conference this weekend. So um, there's an old writing adage that says the key to a character is understanding motivation. And I think the same is true of a poker opponent. Oh, I just love that. Chris always bringing in the writing metaphors with poker. I'm Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games, a hold them underscore Steelers on uh, Twitter. And I just learned that uh, from our friend Pet Vet that sometimes don't worry about exploiting, exploiting opponents. Just play your ranges. Play smart, sound, mathematical poker. <laughs> and I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I have a quote from Jack London. Life is not always a matter of holding good cards, but sometimes playing a poor hand as well or playing a poor hand well. <laughs> Rob, you're muted, buddy. He's, he's pulled a Somsky on us. Everyone has to do it once. <laughs> I'm Rob Washam, Radman50 everywhere. And I don't really have a quote today, but I'm pretty excited because the Vikings got off the schneid. Nice. Yay for the W. All right. Well, uh, one quick thing before we jump in, uh, as you guys know, as a reminder, uh, every Tuesday night when you are playing the Poker Stars home game, if you are a paid member at Rec Poker, you can jump into Zoom. Uh, we do an online play and hang. We call it the OPA. And we have some pretty cool people stop by from time to time. We've had Matt Matro, Sarah Herring, Dutch Boyd, Matt Hunt, Chris Moneymaker, Maria Ho, uh, a bunch of other folks. So you never know who's going to drop by and say hi as you're playing that that home game. So with that, uh, let's bring in Lynn Gilmartin. Uh, Lynn, uh, welcome back to the Rec Poker Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be back. Good to see you guys. Stoked? Are you allowed to say stoked if you're Australian? I thought that was an American thing. Is it American? I thought it was I, well, Aussie. I thought it was like a surfy Aussie dude thing to say. <laughs> uh, well, we try to claim anything cool. Like we don't actually come up with anything. We just, we just grab other people's things and say, that's really cool. We're going to call that American. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's so fun to have you back on. So we had you on in January uh, of this year. And boy, uh, a few things have happened since we had you on. We were obviously very concerned about the fires in Australia. Um, so yeah. I'd love to get an update on that. But obviously the world has been uh, changed quite a bit over the last nine months. So why don't we start with the, the fires, how, and I know you're raising money to, to help the wildlife. So give us an update yeah. on how all of that sort of shook out. It's pretty wild to be talking about the fires again, because it feels like yeah. that was a decade ago. So much has yeah. happened. I can't believe that was this year. But thank you so much uh, for the support that you all gave uh, and helped with that fundraiser. The poker community came together in such an amazing way. I was mind blown. I didn't get much sleep for two weeks because my phone was mm. just going berserk on all time zones with so much generosity, generosity coming from all over the world. And uh, thank you for sharing the message. It 
really helped. And we raised, I think it was like in the end, almost 130,000 Australian dollars, which is about 90 to 100,000 American dollars. Uh, huge, just amazing. And, um, and then I had the honor of presenting the check to the Irwin family. So it's Steve Irwin's family who was the beneficiary. Uh, and so, you know, we went there with the poker players for Australian wildlife written on the check. And I was so proud to represent the poker community and, and show them just how generous we are and that, uh, you know, that we all, come together in times in need and and yeah it was pretty special but you know i have a i have because i haven't spoken to you since that podcast but this yeah. has just reminded me when do you remember when we were doing the podcast and i was late because i forgot i had i remember i told you there was an audition and i was all flustered yes. and i was on the yes. side of the street because i was <laughs> so do you remember that so yes. i was literally on the side of the street doing this podcast because i'd just gone in for this last second audition that i'd found out about the day before when i couldn't tell you what it was for but it was for now Neighbours, which is like an iconic Australian TV show that every Aussie and English, because it's really big in the UK as well, every Aussie grows up watching Neighbours. And so me, a young girl, like that's just 6.30 yeah. every weeknight while we're eating dinner, you watch Neighbours. So I had an audition for Neighbours just for like a guest role for a couple of weeks and I got it. And I wanted yes. to write you and tell you. That. Oh, I wish you would have. Yeah. So I did that back in February. I filmed it and it aired, I think, like April, May. But I yeah, I kept meaning to say, I've got to tell the guys that it was worth me being late to your podcast. <laughs> I got the role. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think you're sitting like on a park bench or something. And it was so gracious of you to do that because uh, you could have easily said, you know, boy, this is the priority because it was. Uh, but, but I appreciated you honoring that commitment. And that's fantastic. Yeah, I was kind of wondering what it was for. So Neighbors. So we'll have to, any, anybody here watch Neighbors? Anybody know of that show or, or watch it? We might have to have a viewing party here. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got family in England. I know that they, uh, that's, I've heard of the show. Never watched it, but I, I know that that's a, a favorite of theirs as well. So it hasn't made it to the Ameri Commonwealth of Canada just yet that I'm aware of. But <laughs> well, you guys don't even have TV, so we soon we're getting far. it soon. <laughs> well, congratulations, Lynn. That is fantastic. That's one of the things I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about is uh, you know your acting career. Uh, you've been in a few movies. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Uh, but yeah. if, if that's changed at all as a result of live poker, you know, falling off a bit if there's been more opportunities or if you're doing more acting than, than you have before? Yes, surprisingly, the answer to that is yes. And I can't believe it because the world is on pause right now. And uh, I was in lockdown in LA, um, you know, for, for the first sort of half of COVID so far. So um, up until June 1st. So we're in lockdown and we're just, you know, they're doing our online thing. And I popped up, I have a green screen and I'm making my videos and just, you know, from the comfort of home and just in our little bubble there. And then and all of a sudden this audition came out of nowhere for a film in Australia. And I couldn't believe it because I was like, what? what? Who is going into production right now in real yeah. life? And plus I'm on the other side of the world and the borders are closed. It was just very complicated. So I thought there's no way I'll, I'll, I'll throw the audition up for fun, but there's just no way that I'll get this because I'll just get someone local. It's much easier because Australia has a two week quarantine. If you fly in uh, internationally, you have to be put up. Um, the government puts you away for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyhow, sent in the audition and I couldn't believe it. It Long story short, it went my way and it was such a jolt like, whoa, because we've just been in this little isolated bubble for three months straight, barely leaving our front door just to open a package. That's about it. Um, and so suddenly, we had to book the next flight to Australia. There's only one flight per week and uh, I had to get the next one in. And um, for my now husband to join me, he, so he's been my partner for nine years, but yeah. we had no intention of getting married anytime soon. It was kind of like, yeah, one day, one day. 
we kept putting it off. But then he ha we had to be married for him to enter the border. So we spontaneously decided on the Wednesday that we were driving to Vegas on the Friday. We got married. It was the best. It cost no. like $80 and it was the most romantic day of our life. El it was Elvis so impersonator? Elvis impersonator or no? <laughs> No, but there was a big cardboard, like a big sign of Elvis out the front. Yeah. So Elvis did have a presence. <laughs> it was a drive-through wedding, so full COVID approved, so we didn't have to wear masks. Like we just sat in our car and the safety team pulled up to a window. And it was just the just such a cool way to put a nice fun spin and some nice memories on this lemon of a year that it has been. Um, and then flew home to Australia and we did our quarantine and that went well. And I was really proud of it because it's allowed us to sort of move around here safely in, in Australia. And so shot that film and then that actually ended up snowballing into another film. So I've just recorded two films in the last two months, which should come out next year. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> one's called this, this Little Love of Mine. That was the first one. And another one's called Kidnapped. So look out for those. Ooh. <laughs> are you, are you, which side of the kidnapping are you on? I can't reveal any details. I'm not allowed. Oh, Come on. We're, gonna, we're, <laughs> we're trying to get some breaking news here, Lynn. I thought maybe it'd slip <laughs> up a little bit. Well, that, that's really cool. I, I'm kind of curious. The I mean, I have so many questions. I always have so many questions. So I always tell these guys, jump in if you have questions or, or you'll never hear the end of me. But I'm, I'm kind of curious as you talk about that, the, the difference between uh, you know acting in a, in a feature film or some of the acting that you've done on TV and then you've got the WPT, which you know is acting in a form as well. It's reporting slash acting, but it's all in front of the camera. I'm I, I'm so curious, like how do you how do you kind of categorize those things, or what are the differences in terms of what you have to do and how you prepare for those different things? That's a great question because a lot of people separate the two, especially in the industry, separate the two. Like you're either a TV host or an actor. Which one? One of you, but you're right, Steve. It's very similar. Like it's being a host, you're being a version of yourself, which I'm sure you've all felt as when you're hosting a podcast. It's a bit of a you're still you, but it's we have different versions of ourselves. It's not mm -hmm. the the us that's sitting on the couch watching Netflix, is it, on a Thursday night? Like it's it's a it's a certain uh, piece of our of our personality that that you sort of highlight when you're in front of the camera. So yeah, it is a character that you kind of then develop as well over the years slowly. I, I'm a different TV host that, now than I was 10 years ago. Um, you're always kind of evolving as a person and it's the same as a character, as a host. Um, and But then when you're working on a character in a film, it's just a lot shorter of a time frame that you get to work on that character. So I guess a TV host is like a lifelong character. You're just forever working yeah. on yourself. Yeah. I've never actually articulated that before. That's I just thought of that on the spot, and it's <laughs> I like that. Well, and, I'm use yeah, that it's, more often. and it's a different sort of it's a different sort of following, right? It's most people that are seeing you week in and week out on the show. It's very different than they've gone to see you in a movie uh, or watched you on the screen kind of one time or two times. That's a very different feel. Do you do you have right. a do you have something? And I know Jim wants Jim has a question. I said I said pop in and then I cut him off. But just kind of a follow up to that is: is there an area that you'd like to move into more? And I I don't want you to you know. <laughs> you know, tell your employers that you'd rather not do, rather do something else, but just kind of in general, do you have a, a feel like, man, I, I like all of it, but I really come alive when I'm doing this sort of acting or, or whatever it is. Um, I love comedy and that's just, that makes me happy doing comedy. And the first film that I shot when we came here was a rom-com and it was just cute. It's kind of like a young teen film uh, with just a nice, like, uplifting happy vibe and I really enjoy that that's what I like and but it's I also like just mixing it up all the time and so I did say like acting's fun because I get to be another character because I've been myself for 10 years now I get to be someone else 
else. But then after doing that for a bit, it was then so refreshing to come back because I, I stream every weekend now for World Poker Tour. And then coming back onto my Twitch stream after having to take a month off, that then was so refreshing again because it's like, oh, I get to be me again and I'm here with my stream team. And yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just all about playing around and mixing it up and uh, finding that balance and just allowing yourself, just not getting fixed on one thing because, you know, you just get a bit bored. So mixing it up is fun. Yeah, I would say just the only piece of advice I would have for you is try to bring a little more energy to things that you do. I mean, you're so, <laughs> just, it just feels so, it's hard to pull energy out of you. I, so just a piece <laughs> of suggestion, just uh, Jim, go ahead with the question. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some constructive feedback from the record crew. So. Uh, to, just to make even us up then, I'd like some constructive feedback from you as well, because we, we have never had the bad luck to have a guest through here that's been any trouble at all. Everyone that comes through has always been an absolute pleasure. But I've heard that other interviewers eventually uh, stumble into a guest that isn't that forthcoming or maybe needs a little prodding or you have to kind of get the good stuff out of them. Have you had any experiences like that? And can you give us any tips just in case that does ever happen here? Yeah, sure. It is hard. It's, it, it, it's hard. Um, pre being prepared is key because then you have to always have like fallback information, maybe some go-to questions. And when you kind of sort of, if you come across like an awkward moment, you just want to be able to quickly like move on or, um, you know, if you're not getting much, if, if they're just, if you're just getting two worded answers, it's quite difficult. And you're like, wow, how am we going to spill 30 right. uh, fill 30 minutes here? Uh, that can be difficult, but you guys have a good team here. So I'm sure that's easy. You can bounce off each other. And I think the key is just trying to make your uh, guest feel as comfortable as possible because the reason that they're holding back is just simply because they're not feeling comfortable. And so what I always do when I have um, someone who will come, like who I'm going to interview who might not be used to it, I, before the interview, will sort of just like try to lighten the mood, give a little few tips, you know. I, I pre-warn and I say, look, because often it's not, live right um so this is a bit different but sometimes it's recorded and, and it'll be uh, edited later so i give them that full warning and i'll be like trust me i stuff up all the time so if you stuff up your thing just rewind like just go back and we'll start again like it's fine i do it all the time and if they are really uncomfortable sometimes i'll stuff up on purpose because when they see me stuff up it gives them permission like oh if she's going to then it's okay and you see them sort of lighten up and soften up and then and then they're out of their head I do that with the musical cues all the time, just to lighten <laughs> right. the mood, just to let people know that we're not taking it too seriously here. So that's great. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah usually that all works just perfect at the front, but, but Jim said, you know, I want to make Lynn feel comfortable. Uh, I'm not going to have the music start at the right time. So I think Thank that's you. genius. It's a professional Jim. courtesy. You're, you're it works. Look how comfortable I am. I know. Yeah, it works like a charm. Yeah. We might have overdone it. Uh, Chris Jones. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of wanted to ask on the flip side, I think you've, I mean, there are probably other people who have, but you've interviewed and met probably more poker players than most people on the planet. And I'm curious about who are some of your favorite interviews? Who are some of your favorite people to reconnect with and get, get, get a chance to have uh, the microphone in front of them? I love it when it's someone who, anyone who, where this is just like a life changing moment for them. And this means the world, you know, where it's a, it's a, it's a hobby player. You know, it's not the professional poker player where this is another day in the office Cool, Now I can just pay off my, uh, you know, my investors right now, or whatever. Like when you have someone where they have tears in their eyes at heads up and they are like, Oh my God. And they have all their friends and family there and, 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 and they're crying on the sidelines. Like that just is so moving. And it's just such a reminder of this is why we do this. And, 
uh, just being there to share that life-changing moment that you know is going to um, set them up for a long time and they're going to remember this moment forever. That's life-changing for me. It's just so such a privilege to be able to be there and witness that moment. It's, it's so special. Yeah, I'd love to follow up more and go a little bit deeper on that too. I'd love to know why, why do you think that is with your, your personality? Because I, I would guess not everybody has that answer, but I love that answer. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, what do you think it is about that whether it's, you know, your, your world or how you're wired or whatever, that, that really is a compelling story for you personally. Um, gee, Steve, you come in with the great questions. I love it. All of you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, because I mean, our lives, we're so programmed to like chase dreams. And this is kind of like the, 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 what we're always, the, the, this, the thing that we're always hearing and we've all got goals and we've got to-do lists and we've got, and it takes a lot of guts to invest in yourself and chase a dream. It, it's a, yeah. it takes a lot. And most people aren't brave enough to do that. We, we go the safe route and uh, we go with what looks good on paper or what they, we think that other people want us to do. And, um, and, and so when someone really puts themselves on the line and chases a dream and takes a risk, it is so admirable. And seeing someone who's doing it and, and then and then getting there, it's just such a reminder that, oh yeah, like it, this, it's worth going for. It's hard, it can be hard, but it can happen. And it's a, just this constant reminder of believe in yourself and, and, and go for it and one day it'll pay off. I love it. Do you feel like that's, is that part of your story? Do you feel like, you know, I, I don't know what your, your story is. I'd love to talk a little bit about how'd you get into, you know, poker broadcasting, but you know, I mean, some people maybe just fall into it. Some people it's like, no, it's my dream. I'm gonna chase it, I'm gonna work hard. Uh, I'm kind of curious if that's sort of your story is I had this dream and I chased my dream, whether it was that or acting, you know, the, the motion yes. pictures, whatever it is, is that reflective of, of how you would characterize yourself? Absolutely. And it's all tied together. So as a kid, I always wanted to be an actor and I was an actor as a kid. Um, and I, but then I was bullied a lot at school. I had some really mm. nasty friends at school and being a little redhead in Australia. They get picked on so much. I know this isn't a thing really in America, but in the UK and Australia, redheads get teased all the time. And so I was just bullied a lot. And um, I remember getting sort of teased because whenever you were asked as a child, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, I want to be an actress. I was kind of given this messaging of like, who do you think you are? You'll never be that. And I started to believe it, which is really sad, you know, when I was about 12, 13, and I was in a play and I fell over on stage. And that was my last straw. I fell over and I was so mortified and it just confirmed all of the, the things that I was hearing, like I'm not good enough. And I oh. believed that. And so I quit. And then I was like, I'm going to go get a real job. I'm going to go to university and, and, and wear a suit and work in the city. That was my new thing when I was then in high school. And I did that. I went and I got a marketing degree. And that's what led me to work at Crown Casino, which is how I discovered poker. And and I really enjoyed my my the corporate route as well like I, I I made the most of it and I enjoyed it but YouTube was new back then and I always still had this thing in me like I love performing I love just you know I was always a dancer and and just performing in any way and YouTube was new and while I was doing all the marketing and making brochures for the poker department um, we decided to start a YouTube channel and no one really was making online content back then this is like 12 years ago 13 years ago and so we couldn't get a budget for it because no one at the organization really understood what it meant so they gave gave me the microphone to start interviewing the players and the little performer in me that I had like shoved away for the last decade or more was so ecstatic and it just snowballed from there and I took a you know after just doing it for a little while 
Poker News then needed someone in the Asia Pacific region. They saw I was making videos. So they're like, oh, and so then I was like, I want to come with you. So I quit my corporate career, which was a huge, terrifying decision because, you know, on paper, it looked amazing. I was 24 years old and I was kicking goals and climbing a corporate ladder and working at a huge casino. Um, But I decided to quit that and move to Vegas and work on the World Series of Poker, making videos online, which was so foreign to me. (laughs) And my parents were terrified, but so supportive because they knew that I had always been this little performer and I was kind of chasing that again. And I'm so proud of the 24-year-old version of me who did believe in myself enough to make that huge uh, investment in myself. It was big, scary risk, but it paid off. (laughs) I love that. I I was getting teary-eyed actually thinking of little 12 and 13-year-old Lynn falling on the stage and getting teased. And it's just, it's the story of so many people. Like it's so sad and it does, it does just dampen our spirits. And I think there's a lot of people like you that, that have that in them, that it was dampened, but they never got over that. I think there's a lot of people that are inside waiting to come fully alive, but they need somebody to give them permission to do it. So I'll just give you permission. If you're out there listening, come alive, do something, come alive. You only do this thing once as far as I know. So uh, try to break free from, you know, what other people tell you and just live the life you want to live. But uh, I'll, I'll stop that diatribe for now. But I just, I, I felt the weight of that. And I'm so excited that you're able to find the avenue to, to come back to uh, that, that childlike uh, wonder of that. So it's beautiful. Uh, Mr. Somsky. Yeah. Well, I, I first just wanted to mention that uh, redheads do get teased <laughs> in the U.S. as well. Wait, I don't, is, wait, is, wait, is that, I don't even see any hair there. Is there, is that? What red? hair is there is red. <laughs> Besides the part that's going gray. But anyway, uh, my, my question was, um, you know, I've followed your career for a long time, ever since you've been with Poker News. And I Thank loved you. when you were had the podcast with uh, Sarah and... Um, and Christy, pretty Christy. broad. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a good podcast. Uh, but my question was more along, now that you've been in the industry, uh, have you grown to actually like to play poker? Or do you prefer just being behind the scenes? I do love playing and I do play. I, I, I'm now streaming. That's what COVID has made me, uh, <laughs> has led me into, which I never in my life ever thought I'd end up on Twitch streaming poker, but I love it. And I do play, I play like home games. When I was in LA, there was a few home games that I was playing in and uh, my husband had a home game in Mexico City. So whenever I was there, I'd play there as well. So, and then on stop, like whenever I was on tour, if I got a chance, I'd hop in just like a one, three cash game. Just, I keep it low stakes. I'm not, the thing is, is that I don't dedicate myself as much as I should to studying the game. So I'm more of a donor to the game and I play for fun, (laughs) but I just, I have so much respect for those of you who play full time because it's such a roller coaster ride and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but I love, I love the game. There's nothing, it's just so fun. And when you sit there and you just get into a real good zone and you've got a great table and you just end up sitting there until four in the morning because you're wide awake and so like into it and you get to actually cash out and make a profit. Like it's just the best feeling. So um, I love it. I love the game. I almost spit my water out when you said I'm more of a donor. That's kind of like, you know, here are the different <laughs> roles people have in the poker community. I'm, I'm more of a donor. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one thing I, I wanted to touch on too, I mean, time just flies by in this stuff. I could obviously talk for hours, but uh, you know, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that one thing we bring up is of course, Mike Sexton. Uh, you know, that we, we've all seen, I think most of us have seen the tributes and some of the things that have 
come down the pike, and I know you've been interviewed countless times about this already, uh, but for those of us who are part of Rec Poker Nation that maybe haven't heard your perspectives on Mike, you know, we're, we're pretty much asking this of every guest at the end because, um, you know, the common theme is, of course, you know, we, we talk about, you know, when people die, people generally say nice things about people. You know, it's, it's the right thing to do, but sometimes you can tell it's a little bit forced. Uh, with Mike, we don't see that. We see this genuineness. And uh, obviously, as somebody who's worked incredibly close with him, uh, I'm sure know him very well. I really, you know, how do you boil this down now that maybe you've had some time to process it? Uh, you know, as you, as you think back on the life of Mike or the impact he had on you or the community, how, how do you even start to, to summarize who he was and what he meant? He was just a beautiful man. He, he just lit up every room he walked into. And, and you're right, like the, the response um, online, the flooding of, of stories and love for him, it was beautiful. It was overwhelming. And, and, and you're right, like just no, I don't think there's anyone else in the world I've ever met that would have a reaction like that from the world. And, and it just is testament to the, the, the man that he was. And um, he was a leader in our industry and, and just dedicated his life to the game and but did it with pure kindness pure uh just love for the game and for players in the game and was always spreading a positive message and just he just did wonders for poker and we are all here now because of that and because of his efforts before any of us saw the game the way he did you know he 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 was a visionary um and it was just such an honor to be able to work alongside him and i just he was my mentor without even like trying, you know, he just, he just led by such a good example at all times and was always ready to make everyone who crossed his path feel special. He wanted everyone to feel welcome. Like no one was ever on the outside. If Mike Sexton was standing there, he included everyone um, as much as he could. And, and I just think it's such a, if it's just such a beautiful way to live. And he had so much love in his life because he gave so much love and I just if anyone can take that away if anyone's feeling lonely you know like we we get what we give give more just if you, if you want to feel more love if you want to feel just give it just give it you know and the more you give you will get back it's just natural and and Mike is a perfect example of that oh, that's so well said uh, I'm, I'm curious if there's any any one moment that really stands out where uh, from 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 a from a joy perspective obviously there's been probably a lot of profound moments with Mike, but is there one moment that where you just like, it, it just causes you to start laughing every time you think about it or just brings a huge smile to your face? Is there anything that stands out? Just any time he was in the room, like his laugh, his chuckle, he just was the <laughs> best. I, um, I told this story on the, um, on the, on the, the memorial, but it was, it was just the, 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 the highlight of the final tables so often was our lining up for the photo because all the poker players are sitting there and, um, and you would just hear him. We were all just smiling in silence like, okay, it's time for the school photo. Let's get the cards in the air. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But Mike would stand there just doing this chuckle to himself to make sure his <laughs> smile is authentic and he'd just be like, <laughs> but he, I honestly think he thought, that no one could hear him because he never would bring it up. And we would all be laughing because of his chuckle. And sometimes we'd say it, but he'd be like, huh? Like, he just, it was just, it was just a thing that we were just ready to hear at every, every photo opportunity was Mike's chuckle. And it would just get everyone laughing and smiling. And, 
And it just, he, that was just a perfect representation of his personality. He just always had people smiling and his big, beautiful smile whenever he was in a poker room was just the best. And whenever the dance floor would fire up, like at poker parties, he was always the first on there. He just loved to dance. And that's just beautiful, <laughs> right? He just lived. He just loved life. It's just being free, right? Just being free. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. So what, what's next for you now, Lynn? So we've got a couple of movies that are, that you're apparently not going to give us uh, any inside scoop on, but you got a couple of movies that are, that are out there that are coming out, but what, what other projects are you working on or you have coming up or, or what does it look like? Uh, so I am, I go, oh, I, I can't say, but I, on, I am on hold man. at the moment. I'm in the works <laughs> for uh, something coming up. Um, which hopefully I can share soon. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on here in Australia. It's pretty exciting. Like there's a lot of things in production. So, so you guys hear to hear break, breaking news just announced on rec poker. Lynn Gilmartin has something coming up. So <laughs> we broke it here first. We, we broke it here first. With great detail. Yes. <laughs> right. It may or may not involve Australia. We're not sure. Right. And right. it may or may not involve poker, but we, we broke it here. So we are going to say <laughs> that we, when, when it comes out, we're going to say we broke it. And there's so much going on with WPT, you know, now like this, this new space that we, we, we hadn't had such a focus in the online space as much as, as obviously this year, which has really uh, thrown us into uh, full online mode and 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 we just had our 100 million dollar guarantee series on party poker which is just extraordinary so there's going to be so much more of that and um so wpt keeps me super busy in between as well so while i'm like chasing my acting dream which i resurrected in my 30s which i'm pretty proud of myself for doing so it's never too late to uh you know go back whatever that dream was when you were a kid that lit you up just think about it what was it and why am i not doing it go and do it love it (laughs) Love it. Let's go. Seriously, let's go. Live your life. Uh, so, yeah. all right. So, well, we'll wrap it up there just because we want to honor time. But obviously, we could we could chat for hours and hours. But uh, kind of give you the microphone here too, just to address Rec Poker Nation. If there's anything, you know, we've got recreational players out here, which basically is anything from pros to people that are just playing for the first time. But you know, they're 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 good people, right? We're like this is this is a positive and encouraging poker learning community. So, uh, you know, it's not just all poker, but, you know, it's all positive, encouraging stuff. And, you know, people like you, I think, light a spark under all of us as a community and kind of add this energy to what we're doing. Uh, uh, so I'm kind of curious, to see, what, what would you share with the folks that are out there listening, uh, either about poker or about life or whatever it is, we'll, we'll just give you the, the time. Oh, well, I can tell that it is a positive community simply by the smiles and encouraging, uh, vibes that you guys share just over on zoom it's just thank you and thank you just like what mike's intention always was was to shine a positive uh like to create a positive environment uh in poker i mean we need that in any in, in any industry in any thing that we're doing in life i think it's the community that we're involved in is what makes it special it's not you know like you can have any job but it's the people that you're working with that makes it or breaks it um and and I'm just anyone who's watching who is a recreational player. I'm proud of you and I believe in you and go for it. Like just chase your dream. I think that's been the theme of this podcast without us even realizing before this was not planned, but no. you know, no, just go for it. Like it's, it just believe in yourself and, 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 and do the investing in yourself that you have to, you know, the studying online, there's so many materials and, and you've got this support from this community that you're a part of and just keep believing in yourself because that's the hardest part. Once we've got that part down, the rest is just, you know, 
is easy. It's gravy. I love it. Well, Lynn Gilmartin, uh, as always, thank you so much. Uh, absolute delight. Uh, hopefully we can see you in three dimensions at a, at a World Series of Poker event or a WPT event or something sometime in the future. But for now, uh, it's been really fantastic having you on here. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. you guys All right. Awesome. Well, you, we'll, we'll let you sign off. We're going to do some, some other stuff here, but uh, we'll be in touch. And, and thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Take care, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Take care, Lynn. Well, there she goes. Uh, Lynn Gilmartin, uh, you know, again, pretty low energy, but, you know, I think we were able to pull something out of her. But what, what are you guys' thoughts? <laughs> well, whenever yeah. we're watching WPT, my, when, she, when Gil, uh, Lynn Gilmartin comes on, my wife always says, isn't she the cutest thing you ever saw? <laughs> <laughs> And, and she saying? is, she's just like, well, yeah, I say, I agree. And I, I look at her and I say, I, you know, I, I look at her like a daughter. I think she's, she just, I, I'm, I'm like, like I'm proud of her because of yeah. the way she is. She's so real. She's so honest. She's so cute. She just, I, I feel like, boy, you know, I feel like I need to, I'd like to protect her and make sure that mm. she always has that ability to be who she is. Yeah. And I, I think about that. Still think about that that fundraiser for the fires in Australia yeah. and like how she she's always talking about oh the poker community is so generous and they are and there are lots of instances where the poker community is so generous but part of the reason people were so generous was because of the way that she's been able to connect for so long with the poker community that people showed up for her too you know mm -hmm. it was sort of like it was it was a testament to the poker community but it was also a testament to her which you know is really great. I totally agree. I think, she, I think she's built these relationships. She's done that stuff, but she had such a passion around that. People are like, man, I, if Lynn's is passionate about it, I should, I should support her. Sorry, John. Oh, I was just going to say, and she's, you know, completely genuine. It seems like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, it, it's tough to tell, but her personality is very consistent and she's just so welcoming and, you know, fun and it great person. Yeah, it, it does. It seems genuine too. I mean, I feel the same way about Sarah Herring. Like, like, uh, you know, you meet and Jeff Platt. I mean, you meet these people in real life, which I've had an opportunity to do that. And they just seem genuine there. And I guess they could be acting there too, but they wouldn't have to be. They weren't in front of a camera, that sort of thing. Just like you, you, you talk to these people and you're like all fired up and you don't even know why. They're just, they're like, ah, there's all this excitement as an introvert that just pulls it out of me. I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's, you know, uh, so uh, it's, it's very infectious uh, for sure. Uh, but man, I love hearing her story too. And I, I love hearing people that kind of overcame something. Now, some people out there listening might go, well, they didn't overcome that much because, you know, they didn't went through what I went through. But I mean, being bullied, you know, falling on stage, these are, these are real things that are hard to overcome. And so kind of like Rob, I'm proud of her. Um, you know, when I hear that story, I'm like, yeah, way to go. Way to, you know, way, way to grab life back. I love it. Any other, any other thoughts or comments? Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, man, that was fun to chat with her. Well, I, was, I, I remember distinctly in senior kindergarten, my pants coming undone in the middle of a play for all the parents. And let me tell you, that stuff sticks with you. It does. <laughs> you don't forget. You do not Sen forget. Senior kindergarten? What is oh, senior yeah. Is that like second Oh, is that not a thing in the states? No. We, we, we have one kindergarten. Oh, yeah. No, we have, we have like preschool, and then we have junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, then grade one. And, and it works up from there. Wow. Yeah, okay, we're very, that's, that's, we're very advanced. So we're you were, must have been 29 
nine when you graduated high school? That's how it I works, mean, yes. Do you have junior first grade, but senior only our, first grade? <laughs> our years are only worth 75% of your years, so they go oh, by a lot faster. Oh, there you go. <laughs> In Canada, they have a senior kindergarten prom, too. <laughs> that's where we choose out. That's where the town crier career path starts. You have to get on yeah. that early. There's a lot of training. So little, little Jimmy's pants fell down. I'll share mine if you guys want to share yours. I, I, know, I, was, I was just going to share my, my little... Uh, my what was that what you said? It play story. I had the, yeah. I had the lead in an eighth grade play, and uh, halfway through, I forgot all my lines. So I went back to the line that I remembered, which was the yes! first line of the play. So we did the play, and the next time we got to it, we did it, but we did the play one and a half times. <laughs> I've I've done a fair amount of everyone acting just went with me. I, I started the play over like midway through like, the it. whole. Like, but everybody here we go. Like, eighth grade. The parents are all kind of laughing. And, uh, yeah, man. I've I've had some. I've had the deer in the headlight moments when I've been acting like I know I have no idea what to say here, and everybody's looking at me. But I'd say my my moment was ninth grade band in band practice. I threw up into my trombone, uh, so I'm sitting next next to Paul. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm sick and I'm still trying to fight through it. And I threw up into the you know trombone and splits everywhere. And I'm so shy. I'm so introverted. I'm already a disaster being at school. I just set the trombone down. I ran outside and just waited <laughs> until the teacher came out and found me. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to be a kid. Oh, man. Oh. Anybody else want to share or no? <laughs> Ron's like, I, mm-hmm. I fainted in the I, choir once. I was like, good God, let's. <laughs> Stop recording. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I led a very sheltered childhood, I guess. I guess. Or, or you had it all together at the age no, of seven. Or I'm told I don't remember that crap. I don't know. One of the two. You and Somsky were probably oh. just all, I had it all figured out. The rest of us were a mess. <laughs> I'm crying. Uh, I'm laughing I, so I am too. I'm, I have tears running down my cheeks right now. I hope that you can't see that. Uh, it's oh. a good laugh, right? That, oh, that's man. what Lynn was yeah, talking now about. Just, it is. just laugh, man. Make yeah. sex and make people laugh. Uh, let's let's laugh a little bit. That's that's it's healthy for us to do that. You well, let's uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit, I guess. Um, <laughs> what's going on in Rec Poker Nation, people? Mr. Somsky, you want to talk a little bit about our home games? Absolutely. So on September 28th, <laughs> Hurricane 1K, James Portugal got his fourth nightly series victory win. On September 29th, JBT yes. Twin Cities, Joanne Bird got her third nightly series victory september 30th keck geek 65 jake jacob kike got his fifth nightly series victory on october 1st uncle tom's cabin jeff s got his first nightly series on october 2nd evil roy ca got his second nightly series victory oh, one of the canadian fellows fighting the good fight uh, yeah yep Got lucky as a Canadian. I hey, guess. Now. Had to be. hey now. <laughs> well, he's one of the good Canadians. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's one that we root for. <laughs> that's a short list. October 3rd, we had Keto Man, 35, or 335, Kian Tavakoli yeah. uh, got his third nightly series. He's, he's winning it. A- enough of these john that you're gonna have to get better at that name i think kenny's <laughs> winning enough of these you're getting a lot of practice with that one yeah actually you know we're getting a lot of repeat winners so eventually yeah. by the time we're done i'll actually know how to say these names <laughs> maybe uh october 4th we had shore z zero zero ben gurr has got his nice. third nightly series victory and on october 2nd we had pl 1914 ah. winning the his first international series victory 
Wow, very good. And so this is what happened. We had, uh, Go ahead. Only the the noon event went that day. The five a.m. event did not go. Okay, so we'll have to look at we'll have to look at that. I'll keep keep noodling that deal, but it's that's the best way to get into the TOC, you guys. Play that international series. Uh, there's not many entries, so that's like that's a great way to get in there. Uh, so this is what happens. So I go to Chicago for the weekend. We can talk about that a little bit, but but when I'm gone, you guys let Kean and you let Ben win tournaments. Like this is yeah, not. Yeah, we're not good. making your life any easier. No, Come on, we don't you guys. want. We don't want them at the tournament of champions. A couple of killers no, in there taking everybody's they are killers. chips. I know. So so yeah. So John, did you have anything else about the? Nope, that's it. All right. So yeah. So I was in Chicago this weekend. Uh, it's the weekend of the first through the fourth. We're recording this on the fifth. We'll talk about it more later. But uh, for those of you who don't know, the Midway Poker Tour had a phenomenal uh, inaugural event. It was um, spectacular. Where, yeah, so it was my first time working for the Poker News. So I went out there with Chad Holloway. We're doing poker reporting. It's going great. And then some rumblings start happening. Uh, and, and eventually the story breaks uh, that they, they announced to the players on day two, uh, which they're already in the money. Uh, the tournament was delayed. The start of day two was delayed because of some other reasons. They didn't have enough chips and stuff. But then they announced to the players that, oh, by the way, uh, you guys aren't going to be getting cash payouts. Uh, well, you get a little bit of cash, uh, but the rest of it's going to be paid in silver. Um, to which uh, there was there was chagrin, shall we say. <laughs> and it worked out okay for the first few people because they took some of the other cash and used that and gave cash payouts. But long story short, and there's a whole story that Chad Holloway wrote, kind of broke the story. He did a lot of investigative research and kind of find out the whole story about what's going on there. Um, but it was, uh, it was bedlam. Uh, with the, the tournament stopped for a couple of hours while they, the final 10 players were figuring out if they're going to play. Uh, sh should they not play or should they play? Um, you know, if they play, they're sort of accepting the terms of it. If they don't play, they can maybe take some legal action. Uh, the attorney general was on their way over. Uh, were they going to stop the whole thing and seize everything and then they get nothing? Like, these were the conversations that were happening. And I'm like, I'm here just to, I just want to write about, you know, aces beating kings. Like, you know, <laughs> this is what I want to do. But of course, it was super interesting. Um, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of this stuff is public or whatever. But you know, Saturday night, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out. We have no responsibility, but we're working with, so, so the, so the owner, Dan Bekovic had fled. Uh, nobody saw him from like noon Friday or noon Saturday on. Uh, and he never showed up Sunday either. So he, he was gone. Nobody knows where he was. Well, somebody probably does. Uh, the, the, they had brought in Jeremy Smith, who was the Smith, I believe he's the, he's the tournament director for the HPT. Uh, they had hired him in to actually do the tournament directing. Well, Saturday night, he said, I'm not showing up Sunday. He, he left. Uh, he's, I'm not going to be associated with this thing. Chad and I are talking about what's poker news's role. Are we going to stay here or not? Because do we want to be a part of, because it's clearly is the, things are going to break on Sunday. So it was interesting times uh, to say the list, you know, at least up, up till two, whatever, two plus in the morning, trying to figure out what's our role because we're trying to all chip in and protect the players, but we don't have any responsibility. We were just hired to do the news. Eric Anderson was hired to live stream the table Paul was hired to, uh, or Jeremy was hired to, to do the tournament directing. And now here we all just are left holding the bag. Like, here you go. Uh, so it was phenomenal. It's super interesting and 200, $200,000 plus to be paid out on Sunday. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours and hours, but that's, that's sort of the hint where we're talking about maybe doing a podcast and getting the, the folks that were at the final table. Maybe Chad would come on. Uh, maybe we get some of the other players to come on and just kind of let's, 
let's talk about what this what this looked like and maybe if nothing else sort of a as for recreational players when you see this sort of a tournament out there what are some of the things that maybe need to be asked on the front end to protect you uh from this sort of thing because at, at best case right now i think so, so these guys are like i think the winner had like 100 pounds of silver or something like here you go here's 1600 bucks and fifty thousand dollars worth of silver yeah Hopefully. i saw those pictures you had the picture <laughs> yeah. you had of the second place that was, was second like place. this giant it looked like a, like you could put it in a treasure chest yeah, oh, yeah. It, you know? they were walking around these silver bars and like the first people were getting like bags of coins and so the guy walks back in here's here's my payout and he's shaking it like it's silver coins it's the weirdest thing ever and so anyway so i think you know worst case uh the silver's not good we we don't even know we hope it's you know there, it, there was no uh, certificate of authenticity given with this thing so hopefully but you know best case is they they get it they're able to sell it somewhere uh, and uh, I think most people are saying they're 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 going to lose twenty or thirty percent at least of value on the silver, even if they're able to sell it. I mean, they could keep it, but yeah, it's just sort of a <laughs> crazy situation. Wow. Yeah, it yeah. just goes to show you really have to. Uh, there's a lot of antiquated laws all around, and when yeah. you're trying to work around those laws, it gets to be an issue. So, yeah, buyer beware, well, I guess. Well, I remember thinking like, okay, this, it, it's, it's a charity tournament and you know, like what is actually happening here? I was trying to understand what that is. And as somebody who's done charity tournaments, you know, my, my biggest thing is, you know, uh, this is taking away from all the hard work we've been trying to do with, with uh, kind of removing the stigma of poker and charity. And here it is, here's a charity tournament that implodes. And so, yeah, John, they were, they were using, they're using a, a charitable gaming law to basically run a for-profit tournament where you know the ownership gets the rake and all of those things, yeah. and then circumventing that using the loopholes in the in the nonprofit laws. So ultimately, it's it's the charity that bought two hundred thousand dollars worth of silver. It's it's this crazy sort of thing that yeah. they had to do. And that what their plan was was they're going to have somebody on site in the next room. So you'd get your silver, and then you go over there, and that person would then buy you buy the silver from you obviously just a, a loophole. That's what they're going to do. The attorney general showed up, which, you know, they never cleared it with the attorney general in advance. That would have been the first thing they could have done. They would have been fine. I, in my opinion, uh, attorney general shows up, you know, says, uh, no, uh, they, they were verifying they had the, that they had the silver on site. They're saying you can't, you don't have a license to, to do that, to, to actually buy and sell silver on site. You, you can't do that. Uh, and so, so now what, what the folks got is when they got their, their hundred pounds of silver, whatever. Um, they got, they got a, and I had a picture of this too. And then Chad posted it. They, they got in, uh, uh, well, they didn't even get it. They, they they could take a picture of this piece of paper that had a person's name and their email address on it. And that's no, I'm not, not kidding, Chris. That, that is, uh, they could take a picture of that. And that was, they had to email this person. That's who would buy it from them. Um, and they weren't open Sunday, you know, they could go to this place on Monday somewhere in Wisconsin, you know, and so some of these people are flying back to Houston or wherever. And it was, I, I'm, I'm laughing because it's like crazy, right? Anyway, so, yeah. I think one of the key things for people to, listening to this to understand, the law stated, because it was a charity, you can't hold normal tournament, so it had to be a right. charity tournament tournament to even have it and the tournaments could only pay out five hundred dollars of cash uh, above the their rest entry had to fee. be in yeah above the entry fee the rest had to be in prizes well right. silver is a prize yeah. so 
evidently other places have done this and they've coordinated. So they have someone on site to basically buy the silver or gold back at the value that it you're supposed to get paid out. So you, in essence, get paid out what you're supposed to. But evidently things here did not go quite that <laughs> they, they didn't quite have that figured out. And, you know, I don't know why they couldn't do gift cards. I don't, I don't really know why they couldn't do other prizes that weren't like uh, precious metals, but you know, the, the funny thing too. And then the, the folks are like 10 hand and they're like, well, you know, we're, they're worried that they're going to come get shut down and seized and they're not going to even get their 1600. So first we said, well, every, can they go pay out the 1600? Okay, good. They went and got the 1600, the 500 plus the 1100 buy-in. So they all got their cash. Then it was like, well, should we just chop this thing? Well, then the, the, the people running like, well, you can't chop it because we have, unless you have like a really good hacksaw or something, like there's no way to chop it. And like all the bags and everything had been like pre-assembled to the, to, there's no way to chop it, even though they never said in the thing, they couldn't not chop it. So it was, but yeah, I think that was, that was the other plan was there somebody just, uh, can somebody just take all the silver and then, you know, it, yeah. So they just, they played it out. Uh, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? They, they played it out. They all got their allotted amount of silver. Uh, I think today we'll start hearing about uh, if people actually were able to sell it or not. Uh, the, the owner has, uh, even though he wasn't on site, he has said he will make people whole if they're not. Um, there's a couple of people that got like $300 transactions from him, apparently. Uh, I don't know, you know how that will work for the $50,000 ones or whatever, but you know, may, maybe it'll, it'll all be made whole. And I think our message to the tour staff that were still there um, was, you know, I think, I think, you know, you can avoid lawsuits and said, if everybody's made whole, people will forgive you if, if eventually they're made whole, but the tour won't survive. Like I, I can't imagine uh, another event. And, and they were saying, no, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll recover from this uh, remains to be seen, but I can't imagine Chad can't imagine uh, that, that the name Midway poker tour is ever going to be to draw no matter what they do. Yeah, because I think every every time there's a you know I mean this this is why um, you know turn you know, tours and places that have a record of paying people out sort of start to grow and do better because they build that sort of trust and that trust. reputation and and anytime there's a first time sort of thing happening anyone who's showing up at that is taking a risk in some I mean probably I wouldn't be expecting to take this big of a risk right, right. <laughs> quite honestly this is this is not a risk I would have uh, thought I w might be taking but but I mean I think you're taking some sense of a risk in sort of yeah. like is this going to be run effectively what's going to be going on do they really know what they're doing and like uh, boy yeah I can't imagine anybody going to a second one of these I mean maybe, yeah. uh, maybe at least some they didn't get paid out in beanie babies right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that could have been worse so there is so there's an upside there's a silver yeah. lining I yeah, guess, yeah. Silver. you could well, take a couple of those bars melt them down for our silver pins Steve <laughs> well that's what I was gonna say wait we're, we're giving away precious metals <laughs> at least we're upfront about it but ours are we're not pretending ours are ours are real yeah it was yeah. Uh, it was interesting and you know i mean it, it, it i've never been a part of a jury uh having to decide the fate of somebody but it felt like that at the final table like there's 10 people there's 10 different opinions and they're all valid in some way shape or form and you see 10 different personalities emerge you know you got the calm people saying hey let's logically think about this then you've got the people that are just spewing you know it's just super it was an interesting opportunity to kind of watch is that human dynamics. So is that final table available i might want to watch that no because well they still wanted to stream it 
they still wanted to stream it. Yeah. And our, you know, I mean, our recommendation, others' recommendation is no, like okay. no, like you, I think that would be a fun final table to well, watch. <laughs> but, well, but but first of all, you got to just stop promoting this thing altogether. Like right. you know, we we put our we moved our updates down to just eliminations. We didn't do anything else uh, in there. Uh, you know, whatever they do, whatever they want to do. But the recommendation is just stop, just stop yeah. tweeting yeah. about this thing. Just stop. And, and you put that final table there, the table talk that was happening in that final table, like even down to heads up, they were still talking about the disaster this was, which would have been great entertainment. Trust me, it was fun to kind of be there. But I mean, just, I, I mean, the, yeah, there's yeah. too much liability there to have that be aired and recorded. Right, it was, right, right. it was cool to watch on Twitter as sort of the, as the day turned from kind of like tournament reporting and chip counts to all of a sudden <laughs> this like investigative report. Thing. Uh, and Chad, Chad, kudos to Chad, did a great oh, job man. of yeah. maintaining that level of professionalism, but um, like getting after the real information and, uh, you know, like talking to sources and that kind of thing. Um, and then like Chad McVean was right in there amplifying the signal. And uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a fun day on Twitter from the comfort <laughs> of my home. I'll with the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, with the popcorn. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm telling you, this is the first time I've worked with Chad. We had him obviously on the podcast not too long ago and he was impressive. I mean, uh, you know, he, he's impressive as a reporter uh, doing poker reporting, but when this started breaking, uh, he's so level-headed and he's trying to give the right advice to people, but he's not backing down. Like he started saying, I mean, he started posting even on those, those things, you know, this is turning into a disaster. Like he wasn't afraid to say what, what was actually going on. And then seeing him sort of work, different people and get on the phone and call all these people. It was, uh, it was in very interesting to watch, uh, watch him, watch him work. And I think, uh, I don't, I don't know how poker awards are determined. I don't know how any of that stuff, you know, actually works. Uh, but I know there's a category for, for journalism and, and that sort of thing. Uh, how he handled this just in that short time he had on a Sunday, uh, was impressive. So it'll be interesting to see if anything comes out of that and who picks up on this. Cause there were some pretty big names that started to, to chime in on this deal. Yeah. Well, sorry to, to take over, but that was, that was a pretty interesting few days. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I would, I would, I think that'd be really fascinating to talk to people who were sort of firsthand who were there. I think that would be a fun conversation. Well, let's see. Yeah. Let's see if we can, if we can make that happen. And Jim and I, we can work on kind of logistics of when and how that should work, but uh, they, they were interested. They didn't, they didn't know who I was behind the mask or whatever. And, you know, I kind of mentioned that on a break. I said, you know, boy, I'd love to chat with some of you guys and kind of get your story. Not even, not just now in your experience of finding out, but you know, after a week or so, once you tried to make this right, what's actually going on. And they, I think would love the opportunity to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds fun. <laughs> Well, anything, anything else going on in, in Rec Poker Nation that we should chat about, guys, or, or give people a heads up on? Well, I'm pretty excited. We're starting a new, new uh, program, book studies. Or, sorry, study groups. The book studies is a <laughs> long-lasting, like, wonderful thing. Huh? No, study Rob, groups. Rob, you're now leading six book studies. Yeah, sorry, Rob. Did, I forget to, did we forget to tell you about Did we pull a John Somsky on you? And you're doing oh. 32 of them now every month uh, the study groups we've heard from a few people uh, pr- uh members at the site that uh it we've got these regular video sessions where we get together and talk about poker but some people want to get together even more often and, and more regularly and with the right f- group of people so if you're at if you're a free community member at rec.poker you still got access to the forums and groups uh, we've got a group started for study groups so if you're interested in getting together once a week or every two 
weeks with some other people that are interested in the same stuff you're interested in. Uh, we're still figuring out exactly how to get this all sort of set up so that you're with the right people in your group. But it's going to be a pretty fun sort of uh, not a produced thing like what we do for our premium members as part of Chris Jones's learning portfolio, uh, but more of just like a group, a little way to check in and, and uh, learn together. So we're going to be pushing that. Um, and then the one that we're kind of taking on to start this study group is the course, uh, which we've kind of talked about. And I know we stole the name from an excellent book, but <laughs> the fact is uh, once a month, Chris will be leaving, uh, leading the panel um, through a, just like a one hour, 90 minute check-in for all premium members who want to come and join. And the subject that we're starting with is pre-flop range construction. And so it's, it's something everybody needs to talk about. Everybody needs to think about. Steve's been through the grinder once already on the podcast. It was one of my favorite little sets of episodes, to be honest with you, is you rebuilding your ranges. Um, so having learned from his mistakes, we've got a whole new approach. We're oh, going to do oh, it completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, as I've used those, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I need professional help. So uh, that's why Chris <laughs> Jones is here. <laughs> so uh, we're still working out exactly the details of that, but it'll be something like uh, once a month on a Wednesday, of course, because that's where we do a lot of our stuff. <laughs> um, come in, so there's a group for that. Um, at, at rec.poker as well in the forum. So if you're interested in opening ranges, uh, calling ranges, three bet ranges, open fold ranges, different positions, different stack sizes against versus different opponents, that's what we're gonna be talking about. Come and join us every month. I, I'd be excited to hear all that kind of then dovetails in with, with like Rob, you know, Rob leading the game plan too. Cause you know, there's so many different ways to think about range construction and, you know, got the rules based thing. And then you've got the, all the way to like the frequency GTO sort of thing. And I, I think everybody kind of finds their, their sweet spot in there. So I think that'll be fascinating. So cool stuff. Anything else that we need to update folks on? I see some heads shaking. All right, good stuff. Well, uh, as I mentioned, the, the, the Tuesday night deal, uh, that is our play and hang. So just play the regular tournament. Uh, but if you are a paying member, you can jump into Zoom. Uh, the information's out on, out on the website uh, in the members area. And then we, we just hang out. Like, like we may or may not have really cool people that, that show up. Might just be me and other people that aren't so cool. Uh, but we have a lot of fun uh, hanging out. Oh, you're cool, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think, cool. I think you're pretty cool. Oh, thanks, you're, Rob. You're, you're the you're the coolest guy named Steve on this whole panel. Wow, you, that you is, that means a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I don't know. I just I just love, but I, I love hanging out. I love the Zoom stuff. I love the home games. So uh, it might just be us hanging out. But it, you know, we've seen some great relationships build out of that. I've seen seen people start getting together outside of that, and like that's just so life giving to see the community kind of spill over into into our real lives. Uh, so if if you're not a member, uh, that might be worth the 15 bucks a month just to just to be able to jump in that. Uh, try it out. Uh, it's super fun uh, to do that. So, so check that out. Um, but go to rec.poker. Everything we uh, are talking about is out there. If you get sign up for the newsletter, it's a free email newsletter. Uh, we call it twerp this week in rec poker, uh, <laughs> which, which is, is more, that's closer to who I am than being cool. Um, but, but that's really, that's hopefully informs you uh, pretty well there. Uh, but thank you running aces. Uh, Jim Q Music. Uh, they are our official sponsor. There it is. Website amp. Learn Pro Poker. Uh, thanks to Lynn Gilmartin. It was delight. Uh, Jim Reed, John Sonsky, Rob Washam, Chris Jones, uh, Steve Fredland, and we are out. Thanks, everybody. Nailed it. <laughs>